25 and 26. We talked about Jesus coming back, but he's telling his, his uh, disciples, his learners, what that word means. He's telling them that um, I'm going to have to go away. It means I'm going to have to die. And then we, we talked about that last week with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem where he came. They thought the king had come. And then Friday came. And Friday, some of us met here and we actually fell down before the Lord because he died. Jesus our Lord and our Savior died. We left here Friday night really kind of somber. No, really somber. And you know, my, my uh, advice to everybody who was here Friday night then was don't miss Sunday. Because i got to tell you something, folks. There's the good news about Jesus Christ who died on the cross. He is risen. He is risen oh, indeed. Let me try that again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm going to read you the scripture, and this is the last chapter. We left off in Matthew 27, or we're going to finish Matthew today with Matthew 28. Let me read it to you. Matthew 28, I'm going to begin in the first verse. If you have a Bible there, you want to read along with me, that's wonderful. Oh, here we are. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now. I've told you. Skipping down to verse 16. Oh, no, no, let me keep reading. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus appeared to them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. This is promised to us. Lord, may your word be heard. May your word, Lord, be received into our minds and our hearts and all that we are. Lord, fill us today with your understanding, with your glory, Lord, so that we can give all the glory to the only one who deserves it. And that's you. Amen. 
You know what makes a day so special? We've already said this, and I hope this is special to you, but you know what? If you're living in the Lord, I hope every day is special in your life because he's alive. Not just today. He didn't just rise yesterday. Jesus Christ is alive now. Today, millions of people all over the world, maybe billions, who knows, they're worshiping and are celebrating the Lord of life. You see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus died. As a man, as a human being, just like you and me, but he conquered death. It's gone for all who believe and play and die with him and live with him. Ah, Jesus Christ is alive today. He rose from the grave, the Son of God Almighty, who conquered death itself for all who place their faith in his death and resurrection. Praise God. Praise God for who he is. Let me tell you something else that's going on today. There's a lot of millions and millions of people out there who will celebrate their own heroes. The one that they admire the most. Hmm. You know, maybe they'll go and watch their heroes on that window of the world we call TV. A lot of heroes there to be seen, aren't there? Mm-hmm. I've seen a few there. I'll I, I confess right now. And let me tell you what, some of those people that are looking through that window of the TV into the world to see their heroes will probably cheer louder than we did this morning. That's kind of sad, isn't it? You know, yeah, if you could turn that off, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Some will cheer louder today than even we did here this morning. But you know what? Just for a little while, they found beauty in the one they admire. They found someone to admire. He was beautiful and really cheered their hearts and moved it up, right? And they're cheering louder than we are. Today, millions are going to seek a hero through, through the window of just the mind. I know a lot of people who'd rather just read. Rather read and just think through the window of their mind. And they're going to find heroes, a lot of ancient heroes. Hmm. You lived thousands and thousands of years ago. And you know what? And they're going to be there for just a little while in awe of their hero as they seem through the window of their mind. Let me tell you something about the heroes that you see through TV. They may be a hero today, but 100 years from now, they're going to be dead. And you know what? Maybe 1,000 years from now, they won't even be remembered. And these ancient heroes, the thoughts of their mind, they're all dead. None of them are alive today. You know, a lot of people today are seeking spiritual advisors who are going to come and help them with religion. They're going to help them be religious. Through, and what is religion? Through some sort of discipline. Maybe it's a discipline of your body, a discipline of your mind, some sort of discipline, but they're going to do it. And maybe they're going to be a hero, and maybe they're going to admire some hero, some athlete or something who's their hero of discipline. But you know what? Those heroes, too, someday are going to be dead. seems everyone has a hero. Everyone has some kind of hero that celebrates a champion of some kind. You know, if I stopped, if we were really honest, and I stopped right now and I asked each one of you individually, we're off in the corner, nobody's listening, and, and I asked you, I said, who's your hero? Just having a conversation. I bet you could name somebody, couldn't you? You probably had somebody that was a hero in your life. And why is that? That's so you could probably, you identified them with, with them in some way. You, you find some likeness of them so you could become like them or you could identify with them, you know, so that you could do that. Let me ask you something. Were you excited? And I don't know if anybody here a uh, basketball fan. You watched March Madness, did you? Okay. 
Did you get excited last night? All those three-pointers is a record. More three-pointers? Yeah, that's exciting, wasn't it? You get excited? Are those guys are those guys heroes or what? Were you excited? And be honest with me, were you excited when the O's won the World Series? Oh, really? You probably weren't even born, you know? Let me tell you what. You get excited about that kind of stuff, don't you? And they're heroes. And they're people that we admire. (laughs) Can you think of anybody who doesn't do that? Really? Honestly? You know, I think everybody is looking for a hero. Everybody's looking for someone to admire that they can see. That they can know, they can see right in front of them. You know, I believe it's the essence of our human appetite to admire somebody. I want to admire somebody. I, I, I hunger for it. I really do want to admire beauty. Um, I, I believe God has made us with this hunger. I believe it's built into all of us. And here's the thing. We should have a hunger. And that hunger he built in for us, that he gave us, is really for the magnificence of his beauty. That's what he created us for. To worship him. To honor him. You know, the great tragedy of the human race is that we were made to find this this infinite joy by admiring God, but we become so blind and we really become so foolish that we spend all of our time and our energy and our money even seeking out things of the world, things to satisfy that appetite we have. And all we're going to get from the world is something that's going to go away because someday the world's going to go away. And all that's going to go away with it. The irony is that God has, has put us right here. He's put us on the front row of his window. Of his window so that we can see his beauty. But we decided to go and look through that other one. You know what I want us to do this morning? I want us to be able to look through his window. And I can tell you this. There's no movie star, no athlete no star anything, no writer or anything that can cause anybody to be as satisfied with God and his beauty if we look at him. I'll promise you that. I don't have to. He says that in his own word. Let me tell you what. If you're here this morning and, you know, maybe your life's empty, flat. You know, you're really not getting any, ain't got no satisfaction. That shows my age, doesn't it? You know, <clears throat> you know you're really not getting fully satisfied. Um, come, look through this window we're going to look at this morning. Look through it with us. Um, I want, as you step up to this window, I want you to see when you look through it, it's going to point you to Jesus Christ, God's Son. And if we could keep the risen Christ right in front of us with the, with the view of him as he really is, then our insatiable appetite for beauty and greatness and wonder would be satisfied so full like you never imagined. The last chapter of Matthew is that window. I want us to look through that together. And in the magnificence of beauty of Christ that you're going to see through this window, it's going to be something I think that you've never seen before. I hope you see Christ this morning like you've never seen him before. You're going to see how incredible his power is. It's so powerful, it's immeasurable. You can't even think about measuring it. And yet, 
with all of that power that he has, he has incredible love and kindness and gentleness for you and me, for all who come before him. And you know what? He does that for a reason. We're going to find out he has a purpose for being the resurrected Savior. And you know what? I pray that everybody here is included in that purpose. Let's read it together. Um, Let me show you why I think that is. According to Matthew, in his first appearance here, after his resurrection, he comes to these ladies. Huh, you ought to like that, ladies, you know? He comes to ladies who are there looking for him and seeking for him. That's his first appearance, the resurrected Lord, with all the power of the resurrection of God himself. He comes before them, and he says, they came to him, and look what happened when they saw him. They clasped his feet and worshiped him. The first thing that happens when they see the risen Lord. Okay, keep reading. Here's the second time it is. He comes to the 11 disciples who went into Galilee uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. They worshiped him. The first thing they did when they saw the risen Lord. But some doubted, but they worshiped him. Did you get that? That's the first thing that they did. Don't miss how amazing that is. Three years earlier, remember when Christ was in the desert before Satan? Let me tell you what it says. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus said that. Do you see what the people did who knew him, who he died for, what they did when they first saw their risen Savior? They worshiped Jesus. There is proof that Jesus is God. Remember what he said to Satan? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And what are we doing here this morning? We're worshiping the only God there is through Jesus Christ, his son, his only begotten son. You know what? When he rises from the dead, men and women bow at his feet and they worship him. Here's the thing we are as Christians and believers. This is something that you're not going to hear in other sermons this morning. You know what we're supposed to do before we worship Jesus? Die. We're to die with him. Everything that we have, our sins, we die from them. And we give them to Jesus because he's already died and taken them away. And here's the good news. When we die with him, we are raised a new life with him because he's risen. Yeah, he is indeed. Resurrection Sunday is really a great day, isn't it? It's a great day for all who believe. You know what? No, that proves right there that Jesus Christ is no mere angel. He's not a, 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 a creature, but he's from the everlasting to everlasting. He is God. He, was, he is God, and he's been here. He is. He always will be. And when we come to worship the risen Christ, don't just say, you know what? God only should be worshiped. Christ is God. He is. He says, I am, all the way through the book of John. And Matthew 19 says that the disciples should be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's God. It's a trinity that we worship. One worship, all the same Godhead. But let me tell you what, Matthew 28 is, is this open window to Christ, and it's an open window to worship. 
Look through, the, through it and see Christ's character and, and how he fills us with his worship, with his awe, with his admiration, just with his worship. Look, look at the immeasurable power. Then Jesus came to them and said, Oh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How in the world are we going to understand all power when we're watching CNN? They don't understand what power is, do they? Yet they're talking about the great power, the great powers of the world. Jesus has more authority than, excuse me, it's not political. He has more authority than Donald Trump. He has more authority than Congress. He has more authority than the UN, than Moscow, than Beijing, all of them put together. He has more authority than all of them. Do you believe that? He does. Why do we fear? Why, why, what are we afraid of? The origin Christ is greater than any power than you can imagine. And he says, I have authority over all of it. All of it. Here's your resurrection witness today, folks. The risen Christ is your king. He's your absolute authority. Do you believe that? Oh, really? It's a hard one to really, isn't it? To really believe. But let me tell you what the consequences are. If you're worshiping him today as your king and your Lord, then you are a part of his kingdom. You're truly a child of God. But let me tell you what, if you don't, if you rebel against Christ the King, Christ the Lord, the one who has authority over all, think about what you're doing. You're rebelling against the King, the King of all. And you know what that makes you? A a rebel. A rebel against God. But let me tell you what's coming. There is a time when God, who created all, when God, who has given authority of all of it, to Christ his son, when God will judge. And when you come before that judge, if you're a rebel, you're going to be tried for treason. And that means execution. I would say to you, don't rebel. I would say to you, come before God. Come before his son, your king. Let him be your Lord. And let me tell you what. He's powerful. He's incredibly kind. Make him Lord of everything. Let me tell you what. That means that he's the ruler of everything. That means your body. That means your time. That means your money. That means your vacation. That means he's Lord of everything that you do. And if you choose to seek satisfaction from the world and rebel against him, um, then I'd have to say you're rebelling. And that would make you a traitor, a traitor to God, treason. Amen? Pretty convicting, isn't it? The risen Christ has authority over everything. And not only that, not only the earth, also in heaven. Look at this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He gave us just a glimpse of that back in uh, verse 2. He said there was a violent earthquake. Huh. Who did that? Who has authority over earthquakes? 
There is a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. The angels that submit to Christ's authority are not those cute little golden angels you get on Hallmark cards. You know what? This is a real angel, folks. Real power. The power of God. And they're serving Christ. These angels are the ones who have more authority. If you go and read the whole Bible, you're going to find the power that they have is unbelievable. An angel has more power than anything we can imagine. And he rules more than we can count. There's more angels than we could even imagine or count. And Christ has authority over them too. That's power. Yeah, I think I want to be part of that kingdom. If you're looking for a winner, that's the winner I want to be a part of. Amen? Yeah. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. (laughs) I just want you to know, I want you to know where everything is. Because this is the word of God we're reading. This is not anything we're making up. These are real angels, folks, that we're talking about. And Christ has authority over all of them. And you know what? If that doesn't impress you, what we just said... I want you to go and read something. This is God's word, and if you don't believe it's true, I dare you to read it. I dare you to read it all. I dare you to read it all and reason with God like he invites you to do in Isaiah Isaiah 6. Let me tell you what. This is God's word, and it is true. The more I read it, the more I study it, and I've been doing that since when I had hair. Can you believe that? (laughs) The more I read it, the more I know it, the more I know him, and the more I know it's absolutely true. Uh, I wish we all had time to give testimony about how the Lord's worked in our lives, proving that he is in charge. He is the one that is in charge. Hmm. So if you don't believe everything we just said about these angels, I dare you to go and read Revelation 19. That's the last book in the Bible. It's the second to the last book in the Bible. Because let me tell you what happens then. Christ leads, after his victory, leads all of God's angels that he has authority over in a victory march. Christ wins. Spoiler. (laughs) Read the end of the book already. I dare you to go and read it yourself. It's true. Every bit of it's true. You know, I want you to consider some of the the, the images of the risen Christ and his angels that's going to happen when Christ comes back. Matthew 24, it says... All that time, this is Jesus talking. He says, "All that time, the son of, uh, of the um, at that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds in the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other." In Matthew twenty-five, he says, "When the Son of Man comes in his glory." All the angels will come with him, and he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Matthew 26. That's where we just read that one last week. When Jesus, they've come to arrest Jesus in the garden, and one of his followers picks up a sword that's going to cut off somebody's ear. And then Jesus said, put your sword back. Put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Paul knew that. Paul had met Jesus in a lot of ways on the Damascus Road. Go read that one. It's a great story. They really need to make a movie out of that part too. Second Thessalonians 1. 
Paul said, when the Lord uh, Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, <laughs> he will punish those who did not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Peter, the one who denied him and came back to Jesus in John 21, he's, he wrote this letter, and he's talking about we're saved by the resurrection by Jesus Christ, his life, his death on the cross, and his life the risen Lord, Peter, in G, he says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Do you believe that? Christ has authority over everything. Now, that's power. You want power? There is no more power than that. The power of the resurrection is the power of God. And by the spoken and written word of God, when the angel of Matthew 28 that we're reading descends with the power of an earthquake... And the appearance of lightning to announce the resurrection of the Son of God, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, to Christ. He sent that angel, didn't he? And thousands upon thousands of indestructible angels obey his every word. Christ is in charge. Our God reigns. Mm -hmm. You can say amen to that too anytime you want to. All the power under the authority of risen Christ we see through the, this window. And here's the thing, it's mingled with something that I want you to see. All that power, can you even imagine? I hope you're, just, you're trembling with it. He mingles it with love, tender love. And he shows it in kindness right here in front of us. Look at this. In verse 5, the angel, he first tells the women not to be afraid. Well, I've got to tell you, women, ladies, they didn't mind him. They were afraid anyway. Look at this. And then in verse 7, he commands them to go and tell the disciples that Christ has risen and will meet them in Galilee. Well, verse 8 says they ran to do that, afraid yet filled with joy. They're still afraid. Hmm. And when something wonderful happens right then, Jesus suddenly appears to them. And look what he says. He says, do not be afraid. All that power, all that glory. And he says, don't be afraid. That's Jesus talking to the ones who loved him, who just worshipped him and clasped his feet, it says. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, i got to tell you something. I just noticed this, and I didn't put it in my notes. But, you know, there's something that's really important to see here. The angel came. God told him to. Christ told him to. And he came to them, and he said, go and tell them and don't be afraid. Okay. But here we are. He says, go and tell the disciples. Do you see what Jesus just said? He says, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Whoa. You know what? We don't have to be afraid if you belong to Jesus Christ. If you're part of his family... If you've given your life to him and you know that power, the power of the resurrection in your life, which you can know, you can know it today, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Because you know what? You're a brother of Jesus Christ or a sister of Jesus Christ. You belong to him. Mm. So suddenly Jesus appears to them and in his kindness, he replaces their fear. All that power. Yet all that love and gentle kindness. What a God we serve. What a God we know. 
What a God we bow down before and make our king. Huh. You know, that was an uninspected bonus, wasn't it? Kind of running down the path. You know, if an angel told me to go, Jesus is sending him. He tells me, go run down that path. <laughs> you know what? Those kind of things happen. You know what, what path they were running down? The path of obedience. Because they had been told by a messenger of God. That's what angel means, messenger. They'd been told by an angel of God to go in and, and meet, tell the disciples to go into Galilee and meet Jesus. So they obeyed, still afraid, but they obeyed. And now they're obeying Jesus. And you know what? So if you're asking yourself, where is Christ's kindness in my life? I've heard this from a lot of folks that we've been ministering to. You know what? I, he's not, I don't. Some people even been mad at God. Can you imagine that? People have been mad at him. You know, where is his kindness? Let me tell you, I think that the answer to your question is right here. Fall in worship at your Savior's feet. Grab his feet and hold on. And he's going to tell you something to do. And I can tell you, get up and run in obedience. And I think maybe about 10 or 12 steps down that path of obedience you're going to find his kindness because Jesus is going to meet you right there. And you're going to find out just how kind and gentle this all-powerful God is. And let me tell you something else about his kindness and his love. If you'll just obey him and go to him, it never ends. It never stops. It may be times when you think it stopped or you've looked at him or taken your eyes off of him, but his kindness never stops. His love never ends. And if you're afraid, let me tell you something that John wrote over in 1 John 4. He says, perfect love casts out fear. If you know the perfect love of Jesus Christ, you do not need to be afraid. All you have to do is come to him. And let me tell you what, this kindness <laughs> is for other disciples too. The angel said, do not be afraid. But verse 8 says, yeah, they hurried afraid, away, afraid with fear. But Jesus says, Greetings. That's what this one says. Let me tell you what. I'm a, I, I'm a nerd. I, I give up. That word in the Greek is karate. And karate. And karate means have joy. <laughs> Greetings. You know, we ought to start addressing each other. It actually means rejoice. You know, why can't we just say to each other, rejoice? We should have done that this morning, shouldn't we? Huh? Maybe we'll do that next week. Rejoice because you know Jesus. And Jesus is saying them, he meets them on the path, and he says, rejoice because you know me. You want a celebrity you want to admire? You want to tell somebody some celebrity you met? Jesus. There's no better celebrity knowing. And he says, rejoice because you know me. The power of God is spoken in the resurrection word. And in front of them, when he's giving these words of kindness, rejoice. Wow. I think that's exciting. I say, oh, okay, I'll calm down. But let me tell you something. The, the, this, this risen Christ is not only powerful, he, he is kind beyond human measure, but with one word, he just calms their fears. And the angels said, go tell the disciples. But Jesus said, go tell my brothers to meet me. Has mm-hmm. anybody ever... Turned away from the Lord? You ever deserted him? Yeah. If there's any honest people in here, you can probably agree with that. Yeah, there's times when we've all turned away, isn't it? 
Do you despair? You get upset? I do too. I tell you, don't despair. Go meet him. Meet him in Galilee of your life, wherever that is, wherever he's told you to go. If you'll go with all your heart to this place of repentance, repentance means turning away. It doesn't mean, I'm sorry, Lord, now I'm going to go do it again. What it means is, I repent. I turn away, Lord. I don't ever want to do that again. You be my strength, and I give it all to you. That's what repentance is. So if you'll go to that repentance, your Galilee, turn away and turn to him, just like they did here. Turn to Christ. And you know what? You'll find his forgiveness, his perfect forgiveness. And you're going to find it through his kindness. That's who he is. You know, and he, he, he does, Matthew kind of leaves it ringing in our ears, but the closing of the gospel are these words, look, or surely, or lo, or whatever yours is. It actually means, look at me. I'm the guy who died. Look at me. I'm alive. I'm right here in front of you. I'm your Savior. He says, look, I am with you always. He's just conquered death. Christ is with us always. To the very end of the age, the risen Christ is infinitely powerful, and the risen Christ is immeasurably kind. And now finally, we see that though through this this window of Matthew 28, his perfect purpose for us. He has a purpose in being the resurrected Savior. Huh. Did you ever think about that? I don't know about you, but if I'm going to have a hero, if I'm going to have someone I admire that I want to watch and I want to follow, I want to know where, that they have a purpose. I want to follow someone who's wandering around. Do you? Mm-hmm. So in order to admire and to worship the risen Savior, we have to see that power and that kindness right here in front of us. You can't admire someone you, you know, if you don't know where they're going, that's for sure. And one of the reasons there are so few admiral people in the world today is that so few people stick to something for very long, do they? Not many people stay with something very long. When's the last time you found someone in your life and you say, wow, I can really admire that person because I know they're going to finish. They're gonna, I know exactly where they're going and they don't waver. No waver. They don't even flinch. Nothing. When's the last time you saw someone like that? Can't think of many, can you? Change is too fast, doesn't it? It does indeed. The risen Christ has a purpose. Let me tell you what, where he's going, it's unflinching, unwavering. And let me tell you something, where he's going, he's telling you. He's not asking you. He's telling you, follow, follow, follow him. He knows why he reigns. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There it is. Make disciples of all nations. Now, there's some words in here I want you to understand. It says make disciples. Disciples is used as a verb. It's also used as a noun. That means it's somebody who is and it's something that you do. You disciple people and you become a disciple. Disciple means learner. You're never finished learning. You may teach and you may end of a class, but you never stop learning. Do you get the difference? Teaching and learning are two different things. And disciples were learners of Jesus. Are you a learner? Anybody in here a learner? Yeah. Yeah, I don't ever want to stop learning about Jesus to you because let me tell you what, he's always teaching. Uh, 
The purpose of the risen Christ is to empower the church to make his authority known in every culture on earth. Every people group. Uh, We use this term ethnic, and that word there is ethnos. So every ethnic group, every people group in the world is to know Jesus Christ, and he's given that task to you and me. And that means we all have to go and jump on the boat and head off to South Africa or something like that. We got a whole lot of people around here. We have, matter of fact, we won't go there. There's a lot of people groups right here today. There are a lot of people groups here. You know, you can't tell by the color of someone's skin. You can't tell by the, by the way they talk or anything about it. But there's different people groups all right here, even today, in our own community that don't know Jesus. And we failed. We failed miserably. So here's the thing, folks. We've got to look to him. Pay attention to his word. He wouldn't have said, look, I'm with you always if he didn't intend for us to be included in his business. That is his business, for people to know him and to bring the glory of God to everywhere. Whenever people, wherever people bow the knee to Christ through our witness, it's because he is with us. Jesus Christ is the one that saves people. You and I can't do that. Don't misunderstand at all what I'm saying right here. All we can do is point them to him, and that's what he's told us to do, isn't it? Do you know Jesus Christ in your heart? For those of you who do, let the people see it. You know, we need to live in his love and let them see. There's joy. You know, here I am this morning. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a raging, stomping pastor. Don't do this every week, okay? I don't wear a suit every week either. I mean, but I, I did that for my Lord today. But they need to see through our walk that we love Jesus. Love him more than anything. More, more than my wife. And, I, you know, we've been hanging out together for 52 years, and I still love him more than I do her. It's only that I can love her in the right way. Did I know how to do that? If I know how to love Christ first. That's what we need to do. All of your relationships, love Christ first. There are a lot of desperate people that we meet all week long and all day long. You are just desperate about everything. You know what? That desperation, that fear, everything goes away when they just turn it over to Christ. But I'm afraid to turn it over to Christ. Perfect love cast out fear. But I'm afraid to go in. I'm afraid of what will happen. Now, you know what? Christ knows what's going to happen if you give your life to him. He works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I don't believe there's a person here this morning that surprises him. I think everybody that's here this morning, Christ knew you were going to be here. I believe that. He's not a God that doesn't know everything. He, matter of fact, he's not bound by time. He already knows. He knows what your decision is going to be as you go forward in your life. He knows what you're going to say and what you're going to do. But you know what? He gives you the will to say yes or no to him. I pray that you will say yes. You know what? Our Lord is in charge. He is the one with all the power. You know, I was thinking this morning with the brother of mine here this morning. We're always talking about the manual. You know, we've got to go look at the manual, look something up. Um, our God is not someone who pulls out the manual. He runs around in circles trying to figure out how it all works. Uh, he wrote the manual. You know, so he is a God who is to be admired. Do you want to admire somebody like that? You want to make him your hero? The God, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about his attributes, and, and, and we'll stop with this. He has infinite power. 
Immeasurable kindness. Surprising a lot, isn't it? Immeasurable kindness. Unswerving purpose. You know, and I pray that you would desire that. That's what you want here this morning. You know, if you don't, then I would say this to you. Stop. And, you know, confess to him. You've been blind. If you believe everything we said here this morning, it's from God's word. I hope you do. Confess to him you've been blind. And you know what? In your days in the past, they were dull because you were blind. Open your eyes. Look through our window. This window that we read here this morning, we said is in Matthew 28. There are millions of windows in here to look at all of God through his word, through his spoken word that he has written right here for us. We're going to sing a hymn, a song. It's what we call a hymn of response this morning. And you know what I would say to you this morning? If you've never set your eyes on the road to faith, to faith in him, do it now. Don't wait until it's too late. It can, you can wait until it's too late. Don't do that. Maybe before this hymn is over, you, you, you will have seen and have worshipped the risen Christ. He is alive. He is our Savior and He's our Lord. Let me tell you what. His love reaches all the way to you. Anybody that's here this morning, His love, it was nailed to that cross. The nails are gone and He's alive. And those arms are open wide to receive you. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. Will you open it to Him? Will you come to Him? If you never have, I pray that you will. His love reaches all the way from heaven to here and all the way from Him to heaven. His faithfulness to you is forever. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but you have to receive Him, receive His love and His mercy. And He says, look at me, I'm with you always. Oh, amen. Will you submit to His power? Will you receive His loving kindness? Will you follow him? Will you stand? And as the Lord leads, will you respond to him? I'm going to be praying. And if you can sing this song along with everybody, your love, O Lord, sing that along with them. And pray for people who are here this morning who may not know Jesus, may not know exactly what we're talking about, may have never had that kind of response that needs to happen right now in their lives. Pray for them this morning as we sing your love, O God. responding to him comes to you.